Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we welcome you today on this Monday, June the 29th of 2020. We pray that uh, you had a, a weekend, you were able to be with your families, and I pray that you are as expectant as we are and joyful to come and study the Word of God together. I'm sure after last week's uh, uh, Bible studies and podcasts, There was a lot to chew on, a lot to meditate on, a lot to consider. And I know for those who have ears are hearing what the Spirit of the Lord has been saying to us. So we're excited about what God has for us this week. And we pray that you continue to uh, tune in um, as we put these podcasts every single day from Monday through Friday. We are coming to you with the word of the Lord. And continue to spread the word as the Lord leads you and to tell others uh, about what God is saying. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with the panel, with Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, and to be able to study the Word of God. It's always an honor and privilege. And so, Brother Marty, we'll leave it with you uh, to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back at it again. Uh, as we begin this Monday, and we're heading into uh, this is Fourth uh, of July week, I think. Yeah, where America, right? <laughs> where America yes. is is absolutely confused. <laughs> doesn't know whether right. it doesn't know whether it wants <laughs> yeah. to be a nation or tear itself down, right? I mean, it's just it's insane. Mm-hmm. But uh, here we go, right? So who knows what the Lord will have us explore this week in its fullness. But we're excited about what he's doing. I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been writing and encouraging us. We've been receiving periodically text messages, emails, uh, calls from different people that the Lord has been touching, from New York to Oregon to Michigan to Wisconsin to Oklahoma, Texas, uh, even uh, here in Nevada, man, and California. I mean, it's actually literally amazing to us what God is doing, and we're excited by that, and, and we, we covet your prayers because uh, we need them. We're, we're, we're an, yes. emerging, an emerging community of people that are beginning to wake up uh, to, to the days that we're yes. living in, and, and I think that uh, these are very serious times but not times to be feared, but to be circumspect and to make sure that we have enough oil in our vessels to see us all the way home to the wedding, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That's where we are, right? And we need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to be around people that uh, that love the Lord and, and that are seeking him. Uh, it's almost as if we've been parachuted behind enemy lines, man, kind of like in World War II. On D-Day, before the invasion took place, they sent all these parachute guys behind the German lines, and they found themselves in hostile territory. As, as the days go on, it seems more and more like, like, like I have that feeling myself, like, my goodness, we're being surrounded by all these knuckleheads out there. But we don't need to fear, right? <laughs> we, we right. Have and that's uh, exciting days, man. And so, so um Praise the Lord. So anyway, we're going to begin a new study this week, and uh, and and as I um, as we bring forth this subject, I I think that you're going to see things as we always do by the grace of the Holy Spirit that we have maybe not considered, and uh, and and as we go along, I think that you'll it'll be a picture will begin to emerge of something quite extraordinary, quite relevant, and 
and very much pertinent to the times we find ourselves in right now. So I don't want you to, to just assume you know what we're going to talk about um, as we get into this, uh, into this study. Uh, we're really going to be looking at some really cool things. So, uh, Lord willing, and we ask the Lord to grace in these matters. Brother Jeremy, could you begin by reading John 3, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, please. Yes. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that comes from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so these are some very familiar passages. We're going to begin uh, a series of podcasts uh, on this meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus this week. And some of you uh, might assume you know what we're going to talk about, but please don't do that. Uh, please just uh, just listen and, and let us learn uh, from what God might uh, might allow us to explore here. In order to really understand what's taking place here, uh, we need to, to first of all consider, <clears throat> you know, what's what's the background of this this meeting at night? It's extraordinary, and 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 what actually happened here? What brought this this to uh, to the forefront? And and what's unique to it is that in John's Gospel, for example, <clears throat> he deals with Nicodemus uh, and records these events that that uh, are not found in any of the other Gospels. It's only in John's Gospel. Now, <clears throat> tradition and other scholars believe that that the Apostle John was was uh, was a priest. He was uh, a Levite. He was uh, uh, of the priesthood, of the priestly class. And it's why when you read the Gospel of John that what you will find there <clears throat> is more events are portrayed uh, from John's point of view that have to do with the temple, with the priests, with the Sanhedrin, with the high priest, uh, with the different festivals that Jesus attended. And the way that John writes is very, very much uh, in, in the mystical nature of writing. Uh, it's, it's his gospel presents Jesus as God. You know, from John chapter 1, he talks about him in that way, right? He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The same was in the beginning with God and without God, uh, and, and he is before all things, and all things were made by him. He goes on to say, and without him was not anything made that was made. And he talks about him being the light that lights every man that comes into the world. He presents him as being before time. And so John has this quality of writing that is so multi-layered and multi-dimensional as he was taught and uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, as I think Brother Fernando pointed this out last week in one of the points he was making that, that John's fellowship was never broken, that he kept his fellowship all the way till the end and became actually the writer of the book of Revelation, the concluding book to the Bible. 
And so when we when we begin to apply that kind of thinking, when we reflect on the scripture, when we think about what's being said here, we look to the one who wrote it, that is who God used to write it, inspired by the Spirit. And the way that he writes <clears throat> begins to assist us as we look at the different stories that he highlights in his gospel. <clears throat> and so that's what we want to look at. He uh, he was also a, a disciple of, of of John the Baptist. You know, there's the record there in, in John chapter. Let's take a look at that real quick. So you know what we're talking about as we begin today's part one. Uh, it talks about the, the two disciples uh, of John the Baptist uh, who follow Jesus after John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God. In verse uh, chapter one, verse uh, 39 and 40. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy? Chapter one, verse 39 and 40. Yes. He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Right. So what we know is that Andrew was with him. And then in verse 37, it says, And the two disciples heard him speak. And they follow Jesus. John is really interesting because he doesn't ever mention himself in his own gospel. He always talks about that other disciple, or he always talks about it's you know the the one whom Jesus loved. Uh, you know, yeah. at the end of the gospel, he he just doesn't like to mention himself. It speaks of his humility, which I think is really cool. But he's one of two. One was John. Uh, John and the other was Andrew that first followed Jesus. So, you know, when he writes, he writes from such a unique perspective because none of the 12 were there except for John and Andrew who saw Jesus when he first appeared. And we talked about this a few podcasts ago, a couple of weeks ago, how that John left with Andrew, uh, left the home uh, uh, up in Capernaum where they were working as fishermen, their older brothers, James and Peter, right, were stayed behind, but they went looking, uh, searching. There was an expectation, a sense in their own heart that, that, this, uh, that something was going on because we talked about John the Baptist suddenly arising in Israel after, uh, you know, approximately 400 years of silence. Uh, when the gospel, uh, the the prophet Malachi concludes his book and closes out the Old Testament, so to speak, there's about a 400-year period there, four centuries, if you will, where religion uh, began to be developed. After the Jewish people returned from the captivity of Babylon, they rebuilt the temple under the leadership of Zerubbabel and uh, and and Joshua, and that temple, once it was established. Uh, grew uh, and went through many different, uh, uh, you know, intense periods of history, but they never were removed again. Uh, we had the Greeks come uh, under the leadership of Alexander the Great in this second temple. We had uh, Antiochus Epiphanes come and, and desecrate the temple, and then the rise of the Maccabees, uh, who cleansed the temple and, and overthrew the, uh, the Syrian uh, Empire so to speak, the Syrian general uh, or leader Antiochus Epiphanes IV, the type of the Antichrist who would come and he set up his image in the temple. The Maccabees revolted and kicked him out and reestablished the cleansing in the temple, which is where we get Hanukkah, right? The miracle of the lights 
just when the Maccabees came and cleansed the temple way back when, like we're talking about in the history of this, um, they they only had one supply of oil, one day supply of oil to light the menorah after the cleansing of the temple. But that's called the miracle of the light because while they consecrated some more uh, anointing oil or oil to burn in the lamps in the temple, uh, the one day supply lasted for a total of eight days until they could actually consecrate uh, through through a prayer and ritual and and the proper ingredients to make some new anointing oil in order to light the lamps. And so the temple was cleansed. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because we just finished um, uh, studying the ten virgins and, you know, how they go out with the oil to me. And I think that's very symbolic that you say that it lasted for seven, eight days. You know, I just think it's yeah. symbolic of, of the oil necessary. I just wanted to <laughs> reminded yeah. me of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's good. And then so so this, this oil lasted eight days. <clears throat> and then from that point on, uh, out of merging out of the Maccabean period uh, came uh, the different priests uh, uh, that would rule. A priest class began to emerge, and and the Roman Empire began to emerge. And for about a, you know, for the remaining 187 years or so up to that point, uh, to the coming of John the Baptist, an entire ruling class began to emerge. A political religious body of believers uh and 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 priests and so forth and so on emerged including the herodians uh which is where herod came from who was in line uh uh was in the line of the maccabees that's why they were so uh, profound and powerful and all this historical background we're talking about all of this is is really interesting to me because because it gives the flavor and the sense of what we're about to get into this week because uh, once we come to this time uh, where we started reading, where, where Nicodemus comes to Jesus, there's so much more behind just some guy coming to check out the Lord at, at nighttime and ask a few questions. It was a volatile time. Uh, like we said, the Roman the Roman Empire was in power. You know, Israel was a little over 40 years away from having the temple which was now hundreds of years old, absolutely destroyed, burnt to the ground, and the Jewish people would be scattered to the four corners of the earth for over 2,000 years. And so she was reaching her culmination of history as a nation, and she was about to go into the diaspora, as they call it, the scattering to the four corners of the earth. Of course, they couldn't understand that. They didn't know that was that's where they were at. They were on the brink of destruction when Jesus came and revealed himself to them, uniquely so. And and remember, the ministry of the Lord had by this point already profoundly impacted all of Israel. Uh, you know, he was announced by John the Baptist, and and uh, and and you know, even John, Andrew, the disciples, they they began to follow him, and and he began to display powerful miracles that were taking place. And the way John lays it out here in chapter one, chapter two, and then we get to chapter three, it's very profound. And and hopefully someday we'll get into those deeper things and look at, at what leads up to it. Because what the story we're about to look at this week is, is very unique. And, and chapter three contains within it probably one of the most famous scriptures <laughs> ever, ever quoted, right? 
John 3.16, for God so loves the world that he gives his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that, that even the world knows that scripture, right? Right, right. <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning. It's one of the well, probably the most best-known scripture passage even the world knows. And I was thinking about those guys, you know, who hold up those signs at football games, John 3.16, right? You know, and they do all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so everybody's heard of John 3.16, but, you know, I think and I know that there's so much more to this account uh and, and and what we what we think we know about John 3:16 really hasn't fully been explored the simple truth of believing the gospel and being saved yes but what the lord was actually saying there and what he was revealing has has in essence flowed throughout all of history and has come to our time and in our day and that's why the account of what happened with nicodemus was so unique and why John pointed it out. Uh, because what leads up to this John 3.16 verse, which we'll eventually look at this week, uh, begins with Master Nicodemus visiting the Lord at night. So I want to look at this nighttime event, right? Just consider the events, first of all, that led to this nighttime meeting. Because what would unfold, in essence, uh, in their conversation it would shake Nicodemus, you know. He he's a son of Israel. He's he's uh he's a master in Israel, Jesus would go on and call him, right? You know, you're a master in Israel, he called him. Uh he was both a Pharisee and he was also a privileged member of the exclusive seventy of the Sanhedrin. That's what uh Brother Jeremy just read in verse one. There was a man of the Pharisee, so we know that he was a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus, and he's a ruler of the Jews. This is important to understand because he was a representative of the ruling body. There were 70 elite ruling members that were the caretakers and shepherds of the entire nation as set up under the covenant of Moses. They were the judges. They were the the princes of Israel, if you will. They were the Sanhedrin, and Nicodemus was one of them. That's why it's so extraordinary that he came to Jesus, because this is early on in the Lord's ministry, and 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 so this is an elite person that's coming to meet the Lord. Now, in some of the history that I've looked into, um, uh, like we started out talking about this, John, uh, who's writing the gospel, it is said, it, it was more than likely a priest. This is why he had access. To, uh, to to places within the temple itself and to members of of the ruling religious class that others didn't. You know, when you get into the gospel story, what you'll begin to find out when you read there, and we just read it without really thinking about it, but when, when John followed uh, Jesus out of the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he followed him all the way, uh, wherever he went, like Brother Fernando was pointing out last week. But remember, he also went into, when they brought Jesus before the high priest, Caiaphas, right? He went into his house with Jesus. <laughs> uh, remember, he had to, remember when it says that Peter came and, and, uh, and they wouldn't let him in, and John had to go uh, give him permission to let Peter in? Let me see if we can find right that real quick. In, in John chapter 18, would you read uh, verse 12? This is after Jesus gets arrested, and, and John writes this in 1812. Right. Could you read that? 
Yes. Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Verse 13. And led him away to Annas, to, to Annas first. For he was father, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the first, which was the high priest that same year. All right, now verse fourteen, I'm going to read to you. Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was yes. expedient that one man should die for the people. Now, now check this out. So Simon Peter, this is after the Garden of Gethsemane. Now Simon Peter follows Jesus, and and again, look how John calls himself. And so did another disciple. He's talking about himself. That now listen to this. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and he went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter mm. stood at the door outside. He didn't have access. Mm. Then went out that other disciple, which was again he emphasizes known to the high priest, and he spoke to her that was uh, guarding the door, and and he allowed Peter to come in. So here we see the special access that he had, right? I mean, he's pointing out these things. Um, and that's why when John mentions Nicodemus in chapter 3, he's really wanting us to get the understanding of what an incredibly powerful thing was about to unfold here. He wants us to understand that, you know, these, this, this meeting at night came from a very prominent ruler in, in the entire nation. And, and and he wants us to understand why that's important, why that's significant. And and John, again, like we were just saying, he had special access. That's why they think that he was he was of, of a higher nature within the Levitical priesthood himself, because he knew these people. You don't just get next. I mean, you just don't get next to the Pope, right? I mean, you just don't get next to the president. You don't get next to these big time preacher boys, right? Unless you got access, unless you know somebody. Well, that's kind of right. the, the feeling we have here with John. Not only did he have access, he had access into the house, man. <laughs> he just walked into the house right. and nobody questioned mm. it. So it's it's really, really cool. When you understand that about the Apostle John when he writes, then you understand some really, really cool things as you begin to apply that understanding from his perspective because he had a unique take on so many things. That's why That's why God used him, I believe, in the book of Revelation, when Jesus revealed to him, how many times do you read, uh, you know, where he talks about, you know, the altar that he sees in the throne of heaven, the throne room of God, the way he describes heaven itself is very descriptive, precisely because he's revealing that the same temple in heaven, or the temple that was on the earth, it was a reflection of the temple in heaven. There were things that he's noticing there uh, in, in the book of Revelation when it, as it pertains to the, to, to the throne of God and the temple of God within yeah. heaven itself as a priest. Quite, quite, quite scholarly, for sure. <clears throat> Very much so. And this is why <clears throat> it is so important that we take note of that as we go forward and, and, and understand why it is important and why only he mentions Nicodemus in all his Gospels. It's very, very, and we'll look into that in, in a second here. But, but this meeting at night, um, now, this is traditions that I'm talking to you about, but we've laid a case for his access and so forth and so on. But where Nicodemus came to that night, uh, some believe because John was a priest, quite possibly, um, that that he had quarters where they would hang out. I mean, he had his own like little house or apartment there because that's what the priests would do. They'd come 
uh, once every every cycle, right? And they would have to participate in the duties within the temple, whatever that may have been. Many of them kept apartments or kept uh, lodging places near Jerusalem where they would come and, and hang out. And so <clears throat> when Nicodemus comes to visit the Lord here, more than likely, it's quite possible that he's actually come to a place uh, that belonged to John himself. And and so that's why John, John has privilege to this meeting. So again, what would unfold in this conversation we're about to look at, it is, it is very prophetic and it's profound what Jesus goes on to reveal here in the way that he speaks and, 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 and in the things that he says. Uh, we will dig into that in the next coming days by the grace of the Lord. So Nicodemus, again, this master in Israel, both a Pharisee and a privileged member of the exclusive 70 of the Sanhedrin, uh, he comes to see Jesus. I want to talk to you a little bit about Nicodemus briefly, because three things, man, three most important events John points out about Nicodemus. One is this one we're about to look at here. The second one is the argument that took place amongst the ruling elite. Uh, after Jesus stood in the midst of the Feast uh, uh, of Tabernacles, I believe it was, and he, he cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. You remember that story in John chapter 7? Uh, out of that story, um, he caused such a stir in Jerusalem that they met together and, and, and sought how they were going to get rid of him. And in that meeting, in that argument that took place, and we'll look at that uh, and, and how the prophetic implications of that later this week, but um, Nicodemus stands up and defends the Lord and says, do we judge a man before we've heard what his mission is or what his doctrine is, right? And then the last time, there's three events that John records that we see Nicodemus. It's uh, when he goes to bury the Lord, right? He brings spices, him and Joseph of Arimathea. They go and talk to Pilate. They get his body. They come and take him from the cross. They wrap him in the linens. They bring the spices, um, and he anoints him for burial. This is some very profound things that John's pointing out. But to see Nicodemus coming as an inquisitor in, at nighttime to one that is, that is uh, cautiously caring for the one that, uh, that his brothers just handed over to Pilate to be crucified is extraordinary. And that's the journey we want to take this week, looking at those things and understanding just how far much, how much more deep and insightful the things that John revealed and the things that we take for granted and just read right through, it's quite possibly that we've missed a considerable amount of things that the Holy Spirit wanted us to see. So today is just like the introduction to that, but let's get into this quickly while we have a few seconds left or a few minutes left. This is the first occasion that, that, that he, he, he's brought to our attention. And one of the things that we need to understand in this first occasion and why he came is because earlier that day, something had happened. Jesus had cleansed the temple. Jesus is recorded as cleansing the temple twice in John's gospel. This is the first one. This is at the beginning of his ministry. He comes to the Passover feast, and there's, there's this tremendous uproar that took place amongst the leadership because of what he had done. Brother Jeremy, will you read that to us in, in, in chapter 2? Read chapter 2, uh, read us verse uh, 13 and 16. 13 through, uh, 13 through 16? Yes, or, or, Okay. And the Jews 
And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small, of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Incredible. There's so much revealed there. But this is this is the night that, that Nicodemus comes to the Lord um during this 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 Passover season, what Brother Jeremy read. It's the Jewish Passover which was at hand and Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. And so what Brother Jeremy was just reading, this sets in motion the events that would bring Nicodemus to him in chapter 3 at night. This is incredibly profound. And like we've talked about before, you know, imagine the size of this temple, this this structure to religion, because they had, they had, uh, they had built upon it an, an additional building program just before the Lord showed up, which took over 46 years. <laughs> 46 years they added to this structure. We talked about the Vatican, right? You know, imagine the Vatican in Rome. Those of you who have seen the pictures of it, that's a massive, incredible place. Well, it's it's here that Jesus comes. Rumor had already had it. There was some new prophet running around up there in Galilee, you know, up in the north, you know, and there, there's rumors that, you know, he's been healing people and feeding thousands and so forth. So, I mean, uh, you know, he, he we've heard maybe there was rumor also that just before he got here, he performed some miracle turning water into wine. Really? Come on. You know, there's all this stuff going on, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you've got thousands upon thousands of people here filling the temple, uh, filling the hills of Jerusalem because it was mandatory that they show up during these, these three major festivals, one of Passover, one was Pentecost and one was the feast of tabernacles. And so, uh, this is the first feast that Jesus is identified in the Gospel of John as coming to. So when he did what he did, uh, he announced his presence in a big way. You know, he didn't right. just show up and, and uh, you know, say, how's it going, guys? You know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he right. comes in there, right? And and we know the later one that he talks about, he came the second time, remember, in, in John chapter, I think it's what, 13? He comes into that one Passover where he rides in on a donkey, right? And they're calling him the the, the, the son of David by that time. So his ministry right. grew to such an extent. Uh, that's John chapter 12, actually. And, and, and in that instance as well, he comes and, and he cleanses the temple as the other gospels record. So this is the first time that he, he cleanses the temple. And it's his way of announcing himself. Being the caretakers of, of the nation's spiritual condition, you know, they followed every pretender to, to, to be in a prophet or any kind of guy who spoke in the, in a, in the synagogues. You know, there was a whole networks of synagogues from Jerusalem, Beersheba to Dan, all the way up into the north. This was a very centralized nation, particularly around, um, you know, the whole, synagogue network system with a subculture of rabbinic teaching and and so forth and so on all culminating at jerusalem which is where the hierarchy was nicodemus being one of them 
So when Jesus comes to this Passover, he announces himself in a big way, and he, he cleanses the temple, which is very interesting. Because what got Nicodemus's attention, whether he understood it or not, you know, what Jesus was revealing himself uh, was, was really God manifested in the flesh. What he did and how he did what he did and every action that he took was at such deep prophetic levels that, that, that we can only now, 2,000 years, look back on them and begin to understand them. And we need to understand what the Passover was, as we've talked about at length in many other podcasts, but there was also something that, that was required just before you know, you actually had the Passover dinner. There were days that lead up to it. One of the things that was required was that there be absolutely no leaven found in your house. And, and what was required was that the father would go and take a candle and he would walk through the house and he, he would look in, in all the nooks and crannies and in all the different cupboards and shelves in the corners on the floor, wherever there might be leaven, which is what you add to bread, right, to make it rise. Uh, it right. symbolized sin. It symbolizes sin. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump, you know, all the scriptures we can talk about. So what Jesus was actually doing by announcing his ministry was I've come to my temple. And before I ensue the remaining three years of my ministry here, it's going to begin with a cleansing of the temple. Because the real Passover lamb is here. And the real Passover is about to be fulfilled within the next 36 months. Are you with me? Yes, man. Jesus okay, Christ. so man. <laughs> so God was in Christ, right, reconciling the world to Himself. So this first Passover that He shows up before the Passover Lamb is killed, uh, which is a day and a half later from this event. This event probably took place on the 13th or 14th of Nisan, somewhere in there. In the, and on the 15th, the night of the 15th, is when you actually celebrate the Passover which is the killing of the Passover and the eating of the lamb and the retelling of the Exodus story. So Jesus, in a very public way, announces who he is. He is the Father manifested in the flesh. We're two days away from the eating of the Passover meal. He comes to inspect his house, and he finds it full of leaven. And he goes about and makes a little whip and begins to cleanse his temple and rid it of the leaven. That's literally what he was doing. Remember what <clears throat> what the prophet Malachi had said. Let's look at that in, in Malachi chapter 3 real quick. Brother Jeremy, could you read that to us? Malachi yes. chapter 3. Because remember, this is just number podcast number one. We're laying some foundation here and setting some background. Malachi yes. closes the, the book of 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 the Old Testament with chapter 3 and chapter 4. But he says something really cool in that he had revealed to him that that there would be a forerunner before the Lord came. Can you read that in verse 1? Yes. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And he goes on to say, but who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appears? 
for he's like a refiner's fire. He's like a fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, and he will purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So here we have the fulfillment of the part of Jesus suddenly coming to the temple. First, Malachi the prophet announces that there's going to be a forerunner. I will send my messenger before thy faith. He was talking about John the Baptist. And, and, and so John prepared the way of the Lord. But here we have at the very first Passover in his public ministry, he shows up suddenly in the temple. He announces himself in a huge way and says, I'm here. Whether you can recognize me or not, I'm here. And what I have found here, and we're only a day and a half or two days away from actually celebrating the Passover, the leaven hasn't been cleansed out of my father's house. And he goes representing the father and begins to clear the house of the leaven. Do not take my father's house for a house of merchandise. Why are you sharing all this, Brother Barry? Well, this event has be, is beginning and, and will come in a very, very swift and powerful way to the church of this hour. There is a cleansing event that's taking place. What has actually happened, in, I believe, if you have eyes to see and you can actually hear, um, it is quite possible that God in many ways was announcing to, to the church in this nation that your house is filled with leaven. Because when this uh, this whole COVID thing and all the stuff we've been going through since then actually began, it began during the same Passover season uh, that we're talking about right now. It began during a Passover season. And what happened? But that the shutting of the churches occurred. It was as if God was removing the leaven from all the meeting spaces, if you can see it. Is he right, announcing right, right. to it, right? I mean, have we has something been announced that is multi-layered? Can we dig between or, or, or dig deeper into the levels of what's being spoken in our time? Just as Jesus came in this way, who in the world could have understood what was happening at that moment? Nobody. But that's why John writes it. Because remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? So the beginning from the end, all that stuff. So look, he, he announces his ministry in a big way. He comes and the first thing he does on the very first Passover is he cleanses God's house. Because he's about to deal with his people. And judgment must what? First begin at the house yeah. of God. Right. So then... After he does this, all the bigwigs come running out. Would you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? In, in, uh, in, let's see, what happens when he does this? <clears throat> read us verse John uh, Yeah, John 2, 17 through uh, 21. Would you read that to us? Bigwigs, right? Bigwigs, yeah. Verse 9? Verse 17 through 21. Okay, here we go. It says, uh, and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thy house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, what, shi what sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
Then said, G- then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. And when, it, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, to the leadership. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. Now, now we're almost to Nicodemus, and we'll close here in a few minutes, not too long. I just want to lay all this background for tomorrow's podcast as we get deeper into this. So there's two things that happen. Jesus comes to the very first Passover. He's fulfilling the prophecy of Malachi who had prophesied first John would come, and then suddenly the Lord would appear in his temple. That his primary function would be first to burn out the chaff and to wash clean the, the Levites so they could offer the Lord an offering in righteousness. But, but the messenger of the covenant, the new and the everlasting covenant, had just arrived and just announced his presence on the very first Passover of his public ministry. This is what he does. And he shows up. He cleanses the temple in an act of incredible aggression. He takes what has been established over a hundred plus years, uh, and, and this this corporate mentality, uh, this 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 goods and exchanges, this retail Judaism, right? I mean, that's what they did. <laughs> they were they were right. selling wow. stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, and he announced, "I'm here, and this ain't acceptable." And John attributes it to prophecy when he says that they, they turn to the scriptures in verse 17 and says, uh, and the disciples remembered that it was that it was written, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. See, they attribute this act to the prophetic. They couldn't see it at first, right? They couldn't see it at first. But see how deep John is talking here? To us, it's like, okay, he makes a whip and he beats them up because they deserve it, right? <laughs> But to John, he says, wait a minute, take a look at this deeper, because his what he physically did was fulfill prophecy. He came to the temple. Suddenly, he appears at Passover. He cleanses it, fulfilling Levitical law, because he's cleansing his father's house. You cannot celebrate the Passover with the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world until you first cleanse the house. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing now. Yes. He, the real Lamb of God is coming soon. And what we are seeing is the cleansing of the house of God right now. God is burning up the chaff. And what was the purpose in Levi's, in the, in the Levitical priesthood, uh, for example? It was so they could offer unto him an offering in righteousness. That's what he said, mm. the prophecy we just read. God is purifying his church right now. We talked about the five wise and the five foolish being separated. It was the declaration and the message that, behold, the Lord is coming, right? The bridegroom is coming. Go you out to meet him. There is a separation taking place between the real and, and the false, the, 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 the true and the false, the, the real and the unreal. There is two churches emerging like we predicted. We said this, that we believe that the that the Lord was showing us in the scripture, and this is back in March now, we said that we're going to come out of this thing and it's going to emerge into a, into a thing that we have never seen before. But what we also talked about was that the church that went into this thing that was compromised was going to come out the other end and be worse than they were when they went in. That's what we're seeing. But we also talked about uh, another group, 
one that would recognize and be stirred by the Spirit that would begin to see this is prophetic. This is a prophetic event that's happening, and it is. And that's why John turns our attention in verse 17. It says, look at what the Lord did. It was after all these things were completed and he rose from the dead, so forth and so on. We remembered. Whoa. What he actually (laughs) did was fulfill prophecy, right? And not only that, but when it says in verse 18 that the Jews came to him and said, what sign do you show us that you do this thing? What they were actually saying was was that only the Messiah is allowed to do something like this. And who are you to come here and do this? They knew it was wrong. Right. They knew it was wrong. But they didn't care. And then when someone came, the Lord himself, and confronted them and tore it down, they wanted more signs but they couldn't see the signs that were happening right in front of them. How many more signs do you need? Now, remember, these guys knew who this Jesus was. They kept meticulous records of every child that was born in the Jewish nation. And there was a hall of records that listed the genealogy of every person by tribe, every firstborn, so forth and so on, was kept in a hall of records. And so they knew he was of Judah which was one of the qualifications that he would be the Messiah. There had been those that were walking among them that were there when the, when the Magi came into Jerusalem 29 years before or so, uh, looking for the, for the king of the Jews. The whole Herodian dynasty was still there. You know, this is some 29 years later, and now Jesus is announcing his public ministry. They knew, and they knew his, his genealogy. And they were investigating him, and they they refused in this public display of authority within the house of the temple itself. Because what he was questioning at that moment was not only the fact that they couldn't recognize who he was, but what he was also throwing the gauntlet down, if you will, whipping out the whip, was saying, the authority of this house is my father's authority, but you've turned it into a den of thieves, and we're here to make it right. It's time things are about to unfold that will ultimately lead, whether they could see it or not, to the ultimate judgment of that nation. I'm speaking spiritually right now for those of you who can hear. Now listen. From the moment crisis ministry began, uh, you know, it began to unlock or unveil prophecy, past, present, and future in every event. Everything he said, everyone he dealt with, uh, and, and now in hindsight, you know, we, we, we could read these stories. And in them, it is unlocking prophecy hidden uh, that pertains to our day. And, and so this, this groundwork that you're laying down uh, as we get into uh, the story of uh, Nicodemus has to be said so that we can understand that this conversation that was had it's not just like you said, some some religious guy showing up in the middle uh, of the night. So Jesus could quote him the most famous, uh, you know, verse in, in 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 the world. You know, John three sixteen. No, yeah. it's it's it, he he represents something, and that's what, yeah. what what the groundwork we're laying down so that we can see what is hid and what is God speaking to us through the story uh, of Nicodemus as it pertains to us individually uh and as we're heading uh and where we're heading as a church 
and and the yeah. separation that's coming because ultimately that's that's what Nicodemus, Nicodemus did. Um, so it, it, there's so much in there, uh, and that's why we have to lay this groundwork down. Amen, brother. That's exactly right. And 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 think about. I want to just like do, you know ride on the back of what you were just saying there. Um, you know what it means individually to us and to our nation going forward in these days that right. we find ourselves living in. If we parallel these things, you know, what we are witnessing here in the act of, of, of the recorded historical narrative of what Jesus did and, and ultimately culminating with what we're going to be exploring, this meeting with Nicodemus, it was, again, announcing uh, uh, his presence and what he began to do, uh, which would ultimately lead with his the rejection of him by the whole nation. They crucified him, mm-hmm. Right. He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And 40 years from that point later, the entire nation would be destroyed, judged, because they rejected him. And like we talked about on Friday, I think it was, or the day before that, near the ending of his ministry on the final Passover, three years from this point we're talking about now, when he comes over the Mount of Olives and surveys Jerusalem, the Bible says he begins to weep and cry because they did not recognize the time of the visitation that had been prophesied to them for thousands of years. And he said, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chick, but you wouldn't. And now uh, your house is left to you desolate. It is quite possible we are witnessing the same thing in our time. Many of these events that have transpired have taken place around the Passover. It's what we're trying to say what we're going to see unfolded so many of these events that took place took place in the narrative of the of the gospels at passover the moses took and the exodus took place at passover the uh, the telling of the parable of the five wise and the five foolish right took place at passover uh, the 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 destruction of sodom and gomorrah took place in the passover season jesus that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit prefigured in, in the in Genesis account came to Abraham and announced that Isaac would be born soon. And that happened during a Passover season, the rabbis tell us, because of uh, the unleavened bread which uh, which Lot ate, prefiguring the you know, the Passover that would come in the future, so forth and so on. So Passover events and things that occur around Passover are incredibly important. And that's why we continue to put forward that what is happening right now on the planet is not just some weird, you know, anomaly. Some, uh, you know, uh, this is an extraordinary event that we're going through. And in this nation, we believe that God is speaking and talking to the church in this nation because it is the central hub that, 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 that preaches to the whole world through its multiple media platforms and, and various other ways. The United States is the center of, quote-unquote, Judeo-Christian expression, and yet it is up under some of the greatest scrutiny right now, and her churches and her preachers and her pastors are, are eerily silent as they have no light and they have no, right, they have nothing, man. I saw a poor young man on, on TV yesterday uh, <clears throat> preaching about your best life now and his whole arena where he normally preaches completely empty, and he's still preaching the same message six months into this thing. Brother, you know, God, wow. God God, can do anything, make your business, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you haven't got it yet, man? 
you know, and, and, and it's just a tragic thing. So that's right, brother, for now. Excellent way to put that. And, and, and listen, uh, that's what we're talking about. And then what brother Jeremy read here, he goes on, <clears throat> he cleanses the temple. And then he, in his, in his public uh, presentation to the hierarchy, to headquarters, to the Vatican of his days, so this big Jerusalem, the temple, uh, he, he announces that he's going to raise from the dead. <laughs> That's what he says to them before they even have a clue what he's talking about. That's what John goes on to say, right? You know, but in verse 21, but he spoke of his temple, his body. So he was revealing uh, the, uh, his authority and he was revealing his mission and he was revealing his resurrection. He announced it all at Passover. That's why uh, as we get into chapter three, which is where we are now, we'll, we'll close with this today because, you know, we, we're laying the groundwork, but he comes to him at night in, in chapter three. It says after these events, right? After he cleanses the temple, I mean, he shook the place up. Again, yeah. understand there's thousands of people here. You know, I mean, right. they're, they're, I mean, I mean, Jerusalem is teeming with people. Look, you know how it is, right? You go to some festival somewhere or you go to, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, uh, you go to 4th of July is coming up, right? Let's say you go to some fairgrounds or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of vendors, right, on the outskirts. You know, they're selling T-shirts. People are cooking up hot dogs. You want to buy a corn dog. I mean, whatever. I mean, there's just <laughs> all, there's all kinds of people everywhere using the occasion uh, you know, to make some money, and there's a, there's a festive atmosphere. They're celebrating their deliverance. You know, the, the hills of, of 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 Jerusalem are dotted with with uh, you know with tents that people bring. You know, so they can camp out. It's a real family atmosphere. You know, people are uh, are are buying their lambs and all this. And then you come up to to Mount Moriah where the temple is, and there's this massive structure. And there's all kinds of ramps, you know, and, and thoroughfares that lead up into the temple. I mean, get the picture in your mind. And then Jesus comes in. This is his first public appearance. Rumor has already reached all the way up into the very uh, temple courtyards and, and where they sit and meet. You know, the councils of the Sanhedrin, the high priest, all this stuff, man. They know who he is. They've heard about him. But now he comes in the very first Passover on his very first public ministry. He walks into this massive structure, and and he, and he announces himself in a in a huge way, and begins to overturn the tables and run the money changers out of it. Imagine the noise. Imagine you're sitting there exchanging some money right. because they were such right. I mean, you're you're exchanging right. your shillings from wherever you came from, and they came from everywhere. They came from as far away as Rome. To be at these festivals, the Jewish people, right? And 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 now, you know, you're doing business. People are, you know, <laughs> passing money under the table. Priests are letting uh, lambs that that aren't perfectly without blemish slide by if you hand them a few shekels from the temple. I mean, this is corrupt, man. It's become a house of merchandise. It's much like what Christianity in our country's become like. One right. big money making machine, man. That's what it was like when Jesus showed up and announced himself. And and he makes this court of, of, of what that's that's why I hate when they portray Jesus as some, you know, Nordic looking surfer dude, you know, who likes to wear sandals <laughs> <laughs> carrying this exactly. plump little lamb under his arm, right? You know, he 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 looks like he's just had his 
his face exfoliated and he's got a nice fresh manicure. No, that's not the Jesus we're talking about here. <laughs> right. We're talking, right? We're talking about the King of Kings and, and the Lord of Lords, the Son of the Living God, the only one of his kind. He he was magnificent to behold, and he and he's in the prime of his life. He's thirty years old. And he's beautiful to behold. That's what John John said that in John chapter 1, verse 14, right? We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. Peter said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And like we talked about a few podcasts ago, when they came to arrest him finally in the Garden of Gethsemane, they sent a, 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 a contingent of temple soldiers with swords and clubs. To, they were afraid of him. He was magnificent. Right. And the Bible said he was full of the Spirit without measure. He's God manifested yes. in the flesh. So you walk into this. You, you think you're going to walk into the Vatican and start, you know, tearing down all them idols and, you know, stripping the gold off the wall, and, and you're not going to get arrested? They didn't touch him. My God. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is Jesus we're talking about. Here. Get Hallelujah. Out. <laughs> so so you can imagine after the day, you know, the sun sets and there's been some stuff happening at the temple today. I can imagine around the campfires <laughs> on the hills, right? They're talking about, were yeah, you there? Yeah. Oh, I heard it, though. I heard it, you know. Man, what happened? Oh, man, the dude came in there, right? What's his name? Jesus, oh, I heard about it. I mean, this is happening. And then into into yeah. the night, right? And then, and then imagine. Imagine the meeting amongst the Pharisees after all that commotion, you know, talking right. amongst themselves, and Nicodemus being in that conversation, and you know what we're going to be studying, you know, what what caused them right <laughs> to go over there, right, and 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 yeah. meet with Jesus at night. And you know, there's a division there, right? Because that's where we are, yes. right? Because yes. that's what, that's that's where we'll close the night. Is is he sets off in the night, a tumultuous yes. day at the temple. Hasn't been one like it in 400 years, man. I mean, there. I mean, it's just it's business as usual until this day when he yes. walked in and announced himself as the Son of the Living God, and he cleansed his father's house and told them, "You destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again." My God, <laughs> and yes. they didn't do it. Yes. They didn't do it. They didn't do a thing to him. They couldn't touch him. He's the magnificent yes. Yes. Son of God. And and uh, I just, man, I would have loved to have been there uh, just to sense the presence of God that that mm. restrained these compromised religious elite from even lifting a finger. Not even the temple guards, who you would think, yes. right? Because they're yes. all standing in all the entryways and gateways and all the different porticos throughout the temple. They're standing there with their spears and their swords guarding the place. Jesus went and did what he did, and not one soldier lifted a finger to try and stop him. Why? Hallelujah. He's mm -hmm. God. He restrained yes. them. You know, the power of God kept them away from it. And, and and so by the time, like Brother Jeremy was just saying, we get to chapter 3, verse 1, which is where we'll pick it up tomorrow. It, it, yes. He's introduced, right? Verse 1, there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. And like Brother Jeremy was saying, uh, they after this man the dust settles people go out you know the sun's gone down you know they'll, they'll be back in the morning but you know 
they got together and said, who let this guy in? <laughs> Why didn't you? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I heard about him. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're fighting, right? And so after that song, you know, um, Nicod- wait a minute, Nicodemus slips out, right? And then in verse 2, that's why he says to Jesus, he calls him rabbi, and then he says, we know you're a teacher sent from God. We do. That indicates there's a group of them that began mm-hmm. to go, wow. You know, wow, we know this about you, and we know this about you. But it also implies that we don't all agree, right? Go ahead, Brother Jeremy. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> Bro, no, no. It's a powerful other the the groundwork that you have laid today. You know, Jesus came to well i think the people already know that there was there was a corrupt system that existed but what yeah. jesus did he he be, he be, it was an expression of what his father thought about his house right that's right you know and what they were doing inside the house of god you know it, it just began to put it out there and expose it and 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 to tell them the turning of the tables this was an expression of what you know the the zeal right the 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 zeal yeah. that that um Ezekiel the prophet and Isaiah you know speak about that came upon yeah. him right Amen. as he uh, and, and I think in, in this hours I know we're getting ready to close is it's what he says it was what the prophets prophesied that he's going to sanctify his name that's been profaned right uh, yeah. not just among not just among the heathen among among his people but he will use uh them to sanctify his name again you know and and i think that's what we're heading he's going to sanctify his name amen that's 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 right brother and 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 so we have him here right he comes it's at night the dust is settled you know uh, he he comes quite possibly to the apostle john's house and we have this incredible uh insight as as john records uh you know the conversation they had he first identifies him in verse one as who he really was uh, of the Pharisees, and 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 you know they've gotten a bad rap over the years, right? The Pharisees, Paul was a Pharisee, you know, Nicodemus, Gamaliel was a Pharisee, um, you know, they get a bad rap, you know, and, and rightfully so. But but on the other hand, uh, we need to understand who these men were. They were they were there was probably about six thousand of them, from what I've been able to study in the historical records. Of, at this time and and they were they were uh, truly people whose desire and 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 whole focus was to be set apart as, as a holy remnant and from them emerged uh this one nicodemus um qualified as a as a, as an elite 70 but these were men who truly truly sought to obey the, the law of god to keep themselves ritually pure and and by and large try to be the the uh, the kind of leaders they were meant to be unfortunately by the time they get to to the appearance of the son of god that can't be said for most of them anymore and he would call them out on the carpet over the next three and a half years man you know woe to you scribes and pharisees he said hypocrites all right you strain at a gnat but you swallow a camel he goes on and on you're Yours is the home of the lizard and the spider. That that was his assessment of what they had done in his father's house. This is the fruit of your ministry. Yours is the home of the lizard and the spider. I mean, so, but this Nicodemus wasn't of that nature. And that's why John, uh, you know, excludes him and includes him three times 
uh, in his uh, in his gospel account because this man uh, became a, a, a really a reflection of of a true and remnant church that would be brought through the uh, uh, the strainer of prophetic history up under the heat of the scrutiny of the presence of the Son of God. And so he comes as a Pharisee, and he's a ruler of the Jews. He wants us specifically to understand this is the elite of the elite. He comes to Jesus by night, one, because the day was over, but two, also very symbolically of the times and seasons and, and the many other things we'll talk about tomorrow. But he calls him rabbi, and, and he says in verse 2, we know thou art a teacher come from God. Wow. Wow. And And then he says, for no man can do the miracles that you have done except God is with him. And Jesus says to him in verse 3, and this is where we'll close, and we'll talk a little bit about more of that, uh, you know, where he says, uh, except God be with him, right? We know that you, that God is with you. And, and what Jesus goes on to say makes sense in answer to what Nicodemus tells him. Jesus says to him, truly I say unto you, truly, truly I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And what he was literally telling Nicodemus was your assessment and what you think has just transpired today. You're not seeing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And the reason you and the reason you can't see it correctly is because your whole life is wrapped up in 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 all these things that you've created uh, in order to to seek and approach God and see what He's actually doing. He says, but but that's flesh. And he says, you're going to have to be born again. In other words, Nicodemus, you say I'm a rabbi, you say I'm a teacher, you, you acknowledge my miracles, and, and, and you say God is with me. He says, the truth is you, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. You, you're not assessing and recognizing correctly what's actually taking place. Remember, brothers, uh, what he said, uh, that, that <laughs> what he said to Jesus, God is with you. That's incre- that's incredibly uh, pointed by John, who recorded that statement by Nicodemus, because the truth of the matter is, is that God wasn't with Jesus. God was God was with them. God had come in the form of Jesus. Remember what his name is? Emmanuel, right? His name is Emmanuel. Yeah, with us. God is with us. But that's not yeah. what Nicodemus said, right? He said, God is with you. <laughs> In other words, his anointings on your life. He says, no, 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 no. He says, you can't even see yet. You can't really That's see right. what happened today. You can't really see what's going on. God isn't with me. God is with you. And his name is Jesus. And I'm his only son. He goes on to reveal as we go on. But we're going to dig into this as we get into his, to this because it's so deep. Because in, in verse 3, he says, you can't see, and in verse, uh, you can't see the kingdom of God, and then in verse um, 5, he goes further and says, and you can't enter the kingdom of God. Do you see that in verse 5? Yes. Yes. Could you read that to us? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Tomorrow we'll pick it up from here. But in verse 3, he says, unless you're born again, 
you can't even see the kingdom. In verse 5, he says, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. He begins to unfold some very incredibly profound things by just those two little statements. Seeing and entering are two different things, but seeing must first happen. And it, it, it can only occur when you're born again, but it doesn't end there. There's an entering that must take place, and that's what he's about to reveal. As he goes in to talk about all the things that he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about Moses lifting up a brazen serpent in the wilderness. He's going to talk about God so loving the cosmos. He goes into the universe and the multi-dimensions that he's talking about to Nicodemus. So profound is what he says. And, and we're praying by the Spirit of the Lord that we'll be able to dig into these things. So join us as we go forward. Because this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we're talking about. As we explore John chapter 3, some of the most well-trodden chapters in the Bible, I think there's a lot more here to glean. And I think that's what the Spirit wants us to know. Like Brother Fernando said earlier, for our day personally and for our nation and going forward in these prophetic times, it's quite possible the shutting of the churches at the Passover season and all that's been transpiring has been announcing to us that God is cleansing house and he's looking for a glorious church. And there's one way. We must be able to be born of the Spirit to see what's happening, and it's by the water and the Spirit that we'll be able to enter in to what is yet to come, his kingdom at the second appearing of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, this is our the beginning of the week. This is Monday, and we are looking forward to this week as uh, things will begin to unravel and chapter 3 of John, and uh, we'll be able to, uh, I know God is going to take us into this conversation and understand things uh, in ways that maybe we have never considered. We pray that you've been blessed today, and uh, keep us in your prayers as we pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.